Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Before Coffee. Today is Tuesday, so we're going to be seeing if any of the news from yesterday developed into something. Where is the man of Raj? Roger. Gotta find him. It is really weird to call my dad Roger. He's also my dad. But it's also weird for me to say dad when he's not your dad. Unless you want him to be. I'm sure he's open to me. Italian oil firm, any, faces lawsuit alleging early knowledge of climate crisis. Catastrophic Congo flooding kills more than 400 people. EU urged to tighten spyware safeguards in wake of Pegasus revelation. Russia pairs back Victory Day events as attacks have to move. Germany's regional leaders demand more financial support for refugees. And the Supreme Court is full of scandal on today, May 9th, 2023 edition of Before Coffee. All right, our first news story here is coming out of Italy. Exclusive! From The Guardian, company accused of lobbying and greenwashing for more fossil fuels despite knowing of risks. Yes, finally, there's proof that at least one gas company has been doing that. But we all know most of them have been doing that <laughs> for profits. Um, the Italian oil, oil major Eni is facing the country's first climate lawsuit with environmental groups alleging that the company used lobbying and greenwashing push for more fossil fuels despite having known about the risk in its products posed since 1970. Greenpeace Italy and the Italian advocacy group Recommon aim to build on a similar case targeting the Anglo-Dutch oil major Royal Dutch Shell in the Netherlands to force any to slash its carbon emissions by 45% by 2030. Yeah, Shell is also not a very... morally... morally high uh, company. <laughs> the oil company, so... Yeah, like... Their of taking action against the climate crisis has prompted us to bring the first climate lawsuit in Italy against the country's largest energy company, said Matteo Corrucci, a lawyer for the plaintiffs. The allegations rest in part on a study any commissioned between 1969 and 1970 from its IV Research Center it had been shared with The Guardian by the non-profit climate news since service de smog. Report made clear that left unchecked, rising fossil fuels could lead to climate crisis for decades. Carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, according to a recent report by the UN Secretary, given the increased use of fossil fuels, increased over the last century by an average of 10% worldwide. Around the year 2000, the increase could reach 25% with catastrophic consequences on the climate, the report said. They were predicting a 25% increase in the creation of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere since 1970. I don't even know, I guess they'll get how much it actually reached. 
Greenpeace Italy and Recommon have unearthed a 1978 report produced by Eni's Techneco company, which included a projection of how most much atmospheric CO2 levels would rise by the turn of the century. It is assumed that with the increasing consumption of fossil fuels, began with the Industrial Revolution, the CO2 concentration will 375 to 400 parts per million year 2000. Report. This increase is considered by some scientists as a possible long-term problem, especially since it could change the thermal balance of the atmosphere, leading to climate changes with serious consequences the biosphere. Prediction would prove to be broadly accurate. In 1970 and 2000, concentration to about 420 parts per million. And more than they predicted. They predicted between 375 and 400, but even rose. No, sorry, no. It rose from 35 to 371 and is now currently 420 parts per minute. Further research by the smog has shown that Eni's company, Magazine Echoes, made repeated references to climate change during the late 1980s and 1990s while running the advertising. Running advertising campaigns promoting planet warming natural gas as a clean fuel. And he did not respond to a quest comment on these documents. Of course they didn't. They've been caught red-handed. Like literally saying, Yeah, we're destroying the planet, but hey, make money. Yeah. These findings Natural. reinforce and add to the pattern found in previous research. Oil majors understand the catastrophic catastrophic effects their products would have on the world, yet failed to warn the public. Concealed their knowledge, denied the problem, and obstructed efforts to solve it, said Ben Franta, a senior research fellow at the Oxford Sustainable Law Program. Like other fossil fuel companies, any might ultimately be held accountable in court for this pattern of deception and harm. With a market capitalization of nearly 49 billion or 39 billion pounds, any typically appears the world's top dozen richest oil companies. In 2022, any reported a profit of 14.12 billion. Up to 9.9 .9 billion from 2021. Probably because everyone was staying home. Somehow. Company operates from more than 60 countries and at the level of oil and gas sector from exploration and drilling to petrochemical manufacturing. And he ranked 24th among the global oil and gas majors for cumulative carbon dioxide and methane emissions from 1950 to 2018, according to an analysis by Climate and Institute. The Italian case also bears a resemblance to a swelling number of consumer fraud lawsuits against big oil states, cities, and municipalities in the U.S. The Supreme Court in April declined appeals by ExxonMobil, Chevron, and Suncor Energy to move five of these cases from state to federal courts. In April 2020, the Italian Competition Authority said it had fined any about $5.5 million for misleading consumers with green claims in a diesel fuel ad, came, ad campaign. Last year, an environmental group filed a complaint Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, an intergovernmental body, alleging that any plan to increase oil production ran contrary to its goal of reaching net zero emissions by 2050. That case is ending. Your story. Right on. Let's hold them oil companies' feet to the fire. In other climate news, catastrophic, this is from New York Times, catastrophic Congo flooding kills more than 400 people. Days after the flooding began, survivors are still pulling victims from the rubble and mud. Thousands have been left homeless. More rain is likely in the coming days. 
And uh, that's all of last week's deadly floods and landslides in the Democratic Republic of Congo climbed more than 400 people, the government said on Monday, as rescue workers and family members searched through debris and mud for victims and survivors of the disaster. The flooding began on Thursday as heavy rains pushed rivers to overflow their banks, causing rushing water and mud to flow into the village, washing away homes and ravaging farmland. The situation is catastrophic, said Remy Kasindi, a representative for the civil society group of South Kivu, where the floods took place. It's a humanitarian crisis that troubles our conscience. Mr. Kasindi said that survivors looking for their family members in the mud and that some bodies were pulled from nearby Lake Kivu. Story can Nearly 3,000 families were left homeless by floods and landslides, with houses damaged or destroyed, the UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs said. 1,200 homes are completely razed, the office said. On Monday, Congo observed a day of national mourning for the victims of the flooding. Before the flood, people from the region had traveled to the area to sell agriculture products at market there making it harder to count the total number of missing rescuers said. On Monday, bodies were still being pulled out of the rubble. Several news media outlets reported that the authorities had to bury the bodies in mass graves. Dr. Dennis McQuaggie, a Congolese winner of the Nobel Peace Prize in 2018, pleaded on Twitter for the dead to be treated with dignity. Exhume the bodies, identify them by DNA, bury them individually and not in mass grave, he wrote up. The floods hit the Kili territory of South Kivu and specifically the villages of Brushu and Nyambuki. Nyambukubi. The area affected by the floods had welcomed thousands of displaced people from the province of Norte Kivu, which has been plagued by fighting between the Congolese army and rebel forces. While the dry season for this region is fast approaching, the next 10 days look likely to have more rainfall, some of which could be higher than normal. Any rain, above average or not, that falls in the already saturated ground could increase the risk of flooding because the land and rivers already have abundant water and rainfall has nowhere to go. The area is also mountainous, increasing the risk of landslides. The villages are next to the shore of Lake Kivu, which separates Congo from Rwanda. Last week, more than 120 people were killed in devastating floods and landslides caused by heavy rains in Western Rwanda. So we're adding up to 120 people killed in Rwanda by the same system. On Saturday, during a visit to Burundi, United States Secretary General Antonio Guterres said the floods were yet another illustration of accelerating climate change's disastrous impact on countries that have done nothing to contribute to global warming. Experts have said that while linking specific events to climate change requires extensive analysis, climate change has made extreme rainfalls more frequently, more frequent and intense. Well, that's a cop-out saying that. Oh, yeah, well, you can't blame it specifically. That's a cop-out, dude. Last year, more than 140 people were killed by floods and landslides in Congo's capital, Kinshasa, in Central Africa, as the region has 
recently been affected by deadly floods. Local and international charities have provided help to the area, trying to move food and health assistance to prevent the spread of waterborne disease. Cholera is endemic in area, the United, States, the United Nations said. Doctors Without Borders strengthens its presence to help the wounded, and Red Cross is deployed in search of bodies and help with organization and burial. If you need to send money or help, just send it to the International Red Cross. In other not related to this news, the EU <laughs> urged to tighten spyware safeguards in the wake of Pegasus revelations. A special European Parliament committed a vote, voted a committee voted on Monday for a temporary ban on the sale, acquisition, and use of spyware while the bloc draws up common EU standards based on international law. A moratorium would be lifted only on strict conditions, including independent investigations and abuse of spyware in the EU. A committee reported report found that Hungary and Poland's nationalist governments had weakened and eliminated safeguards on spyware, effectively leaving victims without any meaningful remedy. MEPs also raised questions about the use of spyware in Spain and Greece, while voicing concerns that many EU member states had created a safe haven for spyware industry, often in violation of union laws and standards. Although non-binding, the vote is one of the most comprehensive responses by lawmakers yet to the Pegasus Project, revelations by a consortium of journalists that governments were using powerful spyware to target dem dem domestic opponents, foreign pol politicians, and investigative reporters. The lead author of the report, Dutch Centrist MEP Sophie Inteveld, said all member states were guilty of silence on this issue. Interview with the Guardian ahead of the vote, that EU leaders had failed to hold Hungary and Poland and other states to account on spyware. What's happening is here is not a technical issue. It's so basic. Opposition, scrutiny, criticism, dissent, these are vital elements of a democracy. And they're being throttled, and everybody's quiet about it. I find it shocking. Veteran MEP accused national governments of hiding behind the argument that national security is not in the purview of the EU. It may well say and treat as a national security is a national competence, but that is not a blank check for violating the rights of us, our citizens or destroying democracy. This is true. The EU specifically has a charter protecting human rights. You can actually go to the EU court, and if your country is breaking your human rights, you can go there and sue your government under the EU for the breaking of human rights. So, they may not have power or, like, an army to, like, beat you up, but they still have power enough to enforce their regulation, like, human rights. For, like, the human right of not being spied on by your government and... Everything you've ever done being... Whatever. Uh, she highlighted how EU governments appear to have granted export licenses enabling spyware companies to sell their wares to repressive regimes by EU laws against such trade. According to a report, a company based on in Greece said to be exporting its products to Thon, Bangladesh, Madagascar, and at least one Arab country. While in France, two firms are being prosecuted for exporting surveillance technology to Libya, Egypt, and Saudi Arabia. In its resolution, the Pegasus Committee said such actions were a severe violation of fundamental rights and a gross violation of EU export rules, namely the dual-use regulation. prohibits the sale of products that can be used by authoritarian regimes to repress their own people. Yeah, that makes sense.
mess. I think I'm just gonna end this. I'm gonna end the. I'm gonna end it there because it just goes into really deep, specific. You know, France did this and Spain did this and Greece did this. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Point is, those 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 states were doing this. They're releasing, <laughs> they're releasing programs that were spying on not only other people, countries, and helping them continue their, you know, whatever regimes they were running in their countries, but they're also using it themselves, right? The next like. 15 paragraphs talking about Spain, Greece, um, Spain and Greece, Morocco, a, son of, a, a bunch of them where you think by where to basically kill their opposition. Not kill them, sorry. Defeat their opposition the, in the... The spy. Yeah, it's the, the spy. spy. So... Man, spy. They're spying, man. Nobody trusts anybody. One government has been held accountable, so that's their next goal. Their goal is to... Make sure that not one victim of spyware abuse is suffering and that they're awarded justice and that a government is held accountable. Done. On to your story. Good luck with that, everybody. If you're squabbling. Uh, in Russia news, they had their May Day parade. It used to be on May Day. For some reason, it's on May 8th now. So, we're, I'm just going to give the the uh, New York Times updates like this is speech ended like uh, three hours ago okay speech ended about three hours ago he spoke for ten minutes so Russian force this is uh, uh, Vladimir Putin's uh, big celebration Russian forces rolled out air defense systems, anti-ballistic missile systems, and armed, armed, armed vehicles to Tuesday, but there was no advanced tanks or other equipment. There were also no fighter jets or military airplanes flying over the sky. The troops have emptied out of Red Square to make way for the parading of empty of heavy-duty equipment, including a T-34 tanks used against Nazi Germany. This parade has featured less heavy equipment than years past. Together with leaders of six other former Soviet republics, Putin walked down to Alexander Gardens to lay flowers as a tomb of the unknown soldier, a memorial dedicated to Soviet troops killed in World War II. Just one tank was present at Red Square for this year's Victory Day commemorations, an old Soviet T-34 with no modern tanks on display. So kind of a pathetic show. Yeah. Um, So here's the main story. President Vladimir Putin struck a defiant but largely familiar throne on Victory Day, where Russia celebrates the Soviet triumph over Nazi Germany, declaring on Tuesday that a real war has been unleashed against our motherland again and vowing to prevail in Ukraine. Oh, it's been unleashed. Oh my God. People buy this crap? Mr. Putin's address on Moscow's Red Square which featured few surprises, came hours after loud explosions rang out in Kyiv, the Ukrainian capital, as Ukrainian air defenses intercepted cruise missiles and the fish large-scale Russian aerial attack aimed at the city this month. No casualties or damage were immediately reported. With Russia's military mired in Ukraine, it made little progress in Mr. Putin's war aims. The celebration of Victory Day was more muted than years past. Maybe the getting our ass kicked day should be probably the name of it. I mean, they're not getting their asses kicked, but you would think by now, comparatively, you know, 
there'd be somewhere besides what? Boy, we really suck at this war effect. At least 20 cities toned down commemorative events because of security concerns related to the war and major celebrations like the Immortal Regiment, in which ordinary Russians take to the streets with photos of World War II veterans have been canceled. In the past few months, Ukraine has stepped up attacks on Russian-controlled territory and even appeared to target some military installation in Russia. Appeared to. We don't even know. It could have been Russia internal forces. That has made Russia's military political leaders uneasy about whether their forces are ready for an unexpected, unexpected, I'm sorry, unexpected Ukrainian counter-offensive. Mr. Here's what to know. Mr. Putin did not depart from his usual talking points during his 10-minute speech, which he previously used to air grievances, repeat propaganda, and blame the United States and Western allies for stoking conflicts. The annual parade of military vehicles this year appears to feature less heavy equipment than years past. The situation in Russia-occupied areas of southern Ukraine, where Russia is preparing for Ukrainian counteroffenses, had become one of confusion, defiance, and scarcity. Residents said gas stations were running out of dry grocery store shelves running dry, grocery store shelves were emptying, and ATMs were out of cash. The victory over Nazi Germany in World War II has long held deep importance in Russia, and with its rhetoric and around the invasion of Ukraine in February of last year, Putin has sought to connect the two conflicts. Good luck with that. You were not invaded, Mr. Russia. You invaded someone else. Your story just so crazy to me that they're still playing victim all the yeah. time oh my god yeah. there's russian speaking people we must unite them with us douchebags all I'm right sorry. editorializing and, again in a uh, similar in a similar vein uh, uh or because of because of russia germany and its regional leaders are demanding more financial support for refugees from of course the conflict German lawmakers are at loggerheads over how to manage the number of refugees coming into the country. Loggerheads. You know this is written by a British person. What? Loggerheads? <laughs> never heard that. I've never heard that phrase. Um, with regional leaders calling on the government to provide more financial support. On Wednesday, the leaders of Germany... Germany's 16 states will meet Olaf Scholz, the chancellor, in Berlin and call him to... an call on him to ensure that the federal government takes on more responsibility for immigration and increasing the date rate of daily rate allocated to cover the costs of individuals. The meeting will take place amid growing appeals for help from majors and committees across Germany who say they are failing to cope with feeding, housing, and schooling. A growing number of asylum seekers representatives will be connected to the conference digitally. About 102,000 people applied for asylum in Germany in the first four months of this year compared with the 218,000 for the whole of last year. Wow, so they're already halfway done and the, the not even halfway through the year. The amount to an increase of 78% of the same period last year. This is in addition to around 1 million refugees who have arrived from Ukraine since February 22, including 350,000 children. That's a lot of children. Numbers are still considerably lower than the estimated 1 million who arrived during the refugee crisis in the summer and autumn of was still much higher than in most recent years. Andreas Bovenschulte, the social democrat mayor of the northern city of Bremen, appealed to the government to step up 
simply cannot shoulder the cost of accommodating and looking after people on our own. The government must take more responsibility, at least carry half the cost, said Reiner Hasselhoff, leader of the eastern state of Saxony-Anhalt, said democracy was at stake if the government failed to take control of the situation. The government, in turn, has questions the calls from regional leaders for increased financial help, voicing the concerns that they have previously used money meant to finance refugees for other purposes. The claim has been denied by the regions. One of the issues under dispute is the amount of money the government has paid towards the upkeep of Ukrainian refugees, around 1 million of whom have arrived in Germany since February 2. The integral paper seen by German media, the government states it spent around 3 billion last year to cover 90% of the social welfare costs for Ukrainians. It says it will increase the contribution to these costs by 2 billion this year. It's going to be 5 billion in total. They'd say the government is failing to take into account other extensive costs, such as for integration courses, preschool, nurseries, and schools. They add that they have also had to deal with an increasing number of refugees other than Ukraine. The costs they are obliged by law to cover entirely. These costs are expected to run about $15.6 billion this year. State finance ministers complain of a huge budget shortfall. In 2016, in conjunction with the financial framework on refugees, the government gave the states $9.1 billion, but the figure has fallen to $2.75 billion, the minister says. Next year is due to fall even further, to $1.5 billion. Under the current legislation, it is due to stay at that level. At the meeting, the state leaders will argue for a return to a previous model of financing this that stopped in 2021. Under the scheme, individuals received 670 a month, but because of the inflation, the figure should now be now stand at 1,000 the week. Okay. In addition, they would like to see the government pay us at some unaccompanied money, as well as completely refunding the cost of housing refugees. The opposition left-wing D-Linka party accused the government of failing to establish a functioning refugee policy. Daimar Bartz, its parliamentary leader, urged Schultz to press for more solidarity from the EU partners to allow a fair distribution of refugees across the bloc. Criticized proposals supported by the pro-business FDP direct fences on the EU's outer borders. They will not help, because you can build the fences as high as you like. Migrants will continue to come, and we'll simply lose our humanity by building them, he told broadcaster DLF. So, don't build any walls, there's no point. You're also a landlocked country, so good luck. Your story. Alright. Well, more refugee crisis to worry about. But again, you, you gotta take care of it, man. Because sooner or later, Russia's gonna have to give up. And you're gonna win this war. So hang in there, Germany. That's gonna be alright. Alright. The United States is clearly fucked because the Supreme Court's a bunch of crooks. So here's an opinion column from the late, great... Great, great Maureen Dowd. I shouldn't say that because she's still alive. But uh, yeah, and she is a good writer. So we're going to read her opinion column on the Supreme Court in the New York Times. Washington. The Supreme Court is still great. It is the greatest gathering of grievances we've ever seen in the high court. The woe-is-me block of conservative male justices is obsessed with who has wronged them. It might be an opportune time to hire a supreme shrink to see those resentful men can get some much-needed therapy and stop working out their issues from the bench. 
Neil Gorsuch is settling a score for his mother. In her memoir, Ann Gorsuch Bruford wrote that when she was forced out as Reagan, Ronald Reagan's Environmental Protection Agency in middle in 1983, her 15-year-old son Neil was really upset. And he told her, you should never have resigned. You didn't do anything wrong. You only did what the president ordered. You raised me not to be a quitter. Why are you a quitter? The scarf and that trauma glared as he prepared a moot court brief with classmates at Harvard Law School and tried to add material concerning the EPA that did not fit, according to classmate. Classmate had talked in New York Times. Buford was attacked during her tumultuous tenure as an enemy of the environment who slashed rules and spending to gut the EPA. I mean, it was the Reagan administration. They were basically business, 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 EPA, they're getting away, go away. And then they fired, well, she had a tempestuous uh, um, tenure. The last straw, even for Republican lawmakers and Reagan official, was when she rejected calls to turn over documents about a toxic waste cleanup program that her agency had corrupted. She received a contempt citation from Congress. This is Neil Gorsuch's mother. Supreme Court, Supreme Court Justice. The Times wrote in an editorial back then, I'm becoming the head of the AP and Gorsuch inherited one of the most efficient and capable agencies of government. She has turned it into an Augean stable, reeking of cynicism, mismanagement, and decay. Last year, her son moved to complete her toxic mission. He enthusiastically joined the six to three votes to severely curtail the EPA's ability to regulate power plant emissions. Way to go, Neil, that 15-year-old kid got his vendetta realized. Yay. The activities who pushed for Gorsuch to be nominated to the court are finally getting their real goal, dismantling of the despised administrative state. Who needs clean air? Who needs clean water? On Monday, the court agreed to review its unanimous decision in Chevron versus Natural Resources, a unanimous decision from 1984. As Charlie Savage wrote in the Times, if the court overturns our sharply limits to Chevron precedent, it would become easier for business owners to challenge regulations across the country. This includes rules aimed at ensuring that the air and water are clean, that food, drugs, cars, and consumer products are safe, and that financial firms do not take on too much risk. The Chevron ruling arose from a challenge by, to a decision by Gorsuch's mother to lower power emission standards. By overturning the ruling, he would be approving his mother's lax stance on regulations. Samuel Alito also feels maltreated in her writing and writing the opinion that overturned Roe versus Wade, this brazenly political justice who doesn't distinguish between his legal and religious views mercilessly stripped women of the right to make decisions about their bodies. But somehow he whines that he was the victim. Last month, last month, Alito told Wall Street Journal that he did not like being the, the way the court's legitimacy is being questioned. We are being hammered daily. I think it's quite unfair in a lot of instances. And nobody, particularly nobody, is defending us. Uh, practically nobody is defending us. What are you talking about? You got all kinds of billionaires defending us? Who, who else do you need? You got billionaires in your... Yeah, God. Just do what you're told. Shut up, Alito. <laughs> Funny, that's how many women feel about the... <laughs> Nobody, frankly, this is, okay, I gotta, I gotta leave the context of the story. After he says, and nobody, frankly, nobody is defending us, she, she editorializes. Funny, that's how many women feel about this Supreme Court. 
Clarence Thomas, who is still bitter over being outed as a porn-loving harasser of women who worked for him, even though Joe Biden did his best to sweep the cooperating evidence under the Senate rug, was slapped with more revelations of ethics declarations this past week. ProPublica, Pro our new favorite paper, broke the news that Thomas, billionaire benefactor for luxury trips and family property, Harlan Crow, had secretly paid for the private school tuition of Thomas's grandnephew. Grappling with life in post-row America. My life would not have been my own. I would be a prisoner subject to a body's whims, and not my body's whims, but the whims of a teenage boy. Nicole Walker, a writer and editor in Abortion at 11, wasn't a choice, it was my life. It's important that the government is in sync with the public opinion, but I don't think they are. Duyarin, one of the participants in the opinion focus group of 12 pro-life voters, stated, Sometime soon I'm going to meet a patient who has no ability to leave the state. I'm going to have to tell her that her baby is a legal condition and she's going to have to carry a pregnancy to term against her will. Oh, isn't she special? David Hackney, a maternal fetal medicine specialist. I'm a high-risk obstetrician, and I'm terrified for my patients. There are more of us than there are of them. That's especially true if American men recognize that their way of life is also under attack. Men also have sex for pleasure. This is not just a woman's issue. You guys are going to get turned out a lot. Mara Gay, a member of the editorial board. The Republican War on Sex says, my fellow pro-lifers also need to make a case or expected mothers and fathers to that their unborn children are like the rest of us, depending on needy person. Okay. The Washington Post revealed that Leonard Leo, the executive vice president of the Federal Society, the cult that has transformed the courts into its own right-wing image, serendipitously funneled tens of thousands of dollars to Thomas's wife, Ginny, for consulting work a decade ago. I want some of that consulting work. The Post reported that Leo... Oh, wait, I'm not married to the Supreme Court Justice. That's the only way you can get that. The Post <laughs> reported... That Leo told the GOP pollster Kellyanne Conway to build a nonprofit group he advised and used that money to pay Miss Thomas, but stipulated that the paperwork should have no mention of Ginny, of course. <laughs> Why not? Isn't it legal? The same year, the profit, the nonprofit, the Judicial Education Profit Project, filed a brief to the Supreme Court landmark voting rights case, the paper said. Well, look at that. They gave money, and then they filed a brief. John Roberts cannot accept all these justices incapable of policing themselves. Despite all the slime around them, he refused to testify before Congress, but the court that bitterly disdains ethics. One reason may be, as the Times reported, that the Chief Justice's own wife, Jane, has made millions of dollars as a legal recruiter, placing lawyers at firms with businesses before the Supreme Court. A quid pro quo needs to be established here. Put all these people in prison. Even though I've been writing, this is the last line of her, 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 uh, I editorialized that one. 
Yeah. Her last line. Even though I've been writing since Bush v. Gore that the court is full of hacks and the bloom is off the robes, it is still disorienting to see the murk of this Supreme Court. Your story. Angry, indeed, such mirth is happening. Just, yeah, like you said, what, what, what was that Not you? Mirth. The slime? Not mirth. The slime? Mirth is happiness. Oh. Can you say something about slime, though? Murk. Murk. You said something murk, about slime murk. as well, though. You said, said yeah, slime, slime yeah. surrounding the Supreme Court. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a great line. Okay. In culture news, let's talk about Eurovision because that happened yesterday or or happens today. It happens today. I, I forget. Yeah. Could be. <laughs> I think it was today. Uh, You're not asking me. I'm not yeah, asking no. Yeah. After months of preparations and a few tumultuous weeks with the Dutch delegation, the Eurovision Song Con- Contest starts tonight. At yeah, okay, so it is tonight. Mm-hmm. At uh, well, it's nine Dutch time, which is. 8 UK time, which is something four hours from now. Yeah, tw- 2 p.m. in 2 yeah. p.m. It's not going to be on TV here. No, they, well, they probably do have it on TV. Somewhere. All the brand, because they have so many brand deals. Somebody, they have probably to have. live, is what I'm saying. No, know. no, it's live on YouTube. Oh, YouTube. I'm just yeah. talking journal TV. Okay. Well, they're they're sponsored by they're, they're one of their sponsors Google, so it's live on YouTube. Fifteen countries will present themselves in the first semi-final, including the Dutch participants Mia Nicolai and Jan Cooper. The duo have to deal with popular opponents and new voting rules. With their song "Burning Daylight," Mia and Dion say that they bring an ode to trial and error, and exactly that also applies to doing themselves in recent weeks. Because after two false live performances in Madrid and Amsterdam, they received a lot of criticism. It came not only from Eurovision fans, but also through former participants on social media and even on the street. For example, Mia said she was shouted outside that the song was so shit and that we were going to lose. <laughs> wow, people would take this stuff really serious. Just before leaving for Liverpool, the two therefore adjusted the number they now sing. Oh, they adjusted the number. They now sing in one and a half. A half tone higher than the original, especially with their trumpet voice. As a result, they no longer have to shout and fight. Beyond told talk show Khalid and Sophie, backing singers were also added in at the last minute. After a full week of rehearsals in Liverpool, Mia and Dion will perform the 14th act in their first semi-final of Eurovision Song Contest tonight. They stand on a turntable, which should enhance their performance on the big Eurovision stage. Practiced on treadmills for a week. Despite the term, all the turmoil, they are confident. I think there's room for our number, said Dion, and I hope people are touched by it, Mia added. I don't know why they're trying to win, because the Netherlands already won, like, what, in 2020 or whatever. They've just finished hosting a Eurovision Song Contest, and they're like, they want to go again? You know how expensive that is? No. Stop trying to win. The whole point is you want to lose. That's the whole point of Eurovision. I don't know when it became a contest to win. It should be a contest to lose. The best, the, the winner is always last place, because that means they don't have to pay... For a concert. <laughs> <laughs> the two are in a semi-final full of bombastic Eurovision bangers with their subdued song. From croats and underpants to whistling Moldavians and the cha-cha-cha sounds from Finland. Ten of the 15 participants now will go through to Saturday's final. Okay, so the final's on Saturday. I thought the final was today. I thought that was really weird because why would you have a final on a Tuesday? 
the chance of yeah. getting there is quite high. Yet many Eurovision connoisseurs think it will not be able easy job for the Dutch team. Draw anything but favorable of the two semifinals, the competition is the strongest in this one. Most all numbers that pass by deny are high in the favorites list and betting offices. Netherlands is in 11th place in the list, placed just outside the final. The big favorite tonight, but actually the entire edition, is Eurovision legend Lorene from Sweden. The singer won the festival in 2012 with her song Euphoria, one of the best known and popular Eurovision hits ever to this day. Now takes another shot winning, this time with a number tattoo. The striking act between the LED screen. recent weeks, the pop song has already entered the European charts, including the Dutch top 20, uh, top 40. Her biggest competition comes from Finland. Singer Karajia, I can't say his Cha-cha-cha, with a fluorescent green outfit and strapped dancers on stage. The song, a combination of dark techno and pop, is a crowd favorite. So many favorites in the semifinal, and that can sometimes play a major role in the outcome. Because for the first time in years, only the viewers at home determine which acts go through on the final on Saturday. In previous years, there were juries in each country that determined half of which country went through. But after six of those jur- juries, Azerbaijan, Georgia, Montenegro, Poland, Romania, and San Marino secretly agreed last year to vote for each other, EBU, EBU decided to scrap the jury votes in the semifinal. Still count for the Evolution. final, though. It's hard to say what the new rules mean for Mia Dion. I think we'll definitely continue with jury votes, said Mia. We're going to do our very best, and then we have to let out go. It's also to be announced tonight at 11 p.m. Dutch time. So... Probably right on. No, wait, what is that? 11 p.m. Dove Channel would be like. No, that would be. 5 like p.m. 2 p.m. Here. 5 p.m. in 5 New York. Oh. Uh, if you're interested in watching Eurovision, go check out the YouTube. Probably just search Eurovision on YouTube. Channel will pop up and they probably have a whole countdown and a live stream, all sorts of stuff. Uh. And enjoy some goofy hijinks that is Eurovision. On to your... In in this day in history. Like the Super Bowl of Kitsch. (laughs) Hey! Yeah, why not? I got something right today. In 1800, this day in history, John Brown was born, American abolitionist, and uh, famous for his assault on Harper's Ferry, Virginia was one of the main participating incidents in the American Civil War. He was born in 1800. Happy birthday, John Brown. 223 today. Hope you're doing well. Probably not. I think he was hung. I think he was actually hung. 1860, dramatist J.M. Barry, Barry known as known as known for Peter Pan, was born in Irie Muir, Angus, Scotland. This day in 1860, Mike Wallace, I'm sorry, Mike Wallace of CBS News in 60 Minutes was born on this day in 1918. In 1936, seven months after, seven months after invading Ethiopia and driving Emperor Haile Selassie I into exile, Italy annexed Ethiopia as part of Italian East Africa. What the hell, man? Italy with a land grab in 1936. 1939, American track and field athlete Ralph Boston was the first man to jump more than 27 feet, which is 8.23 meters. He was born in Laurel, Mississippi in 1939. 
1958, Alfred Hitchcock. Psychological thriller Vertigo, starring James Stewart and Kim Novak, premiered in San Francisco and became widely regarded of, as one of the greatest movies ever. In 1960, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved the first birth control pill, and it's only a matter of time for this crazy Supreme Court makes that illegal too. The United States, and I'm not kidding, the United, in 1974, the U.S. House Judiciary Committee began forming formal hearings in the impeachment of President Richard M. Nixon. I am not a crook. I can do a Nixon. I'm not a, yes, I am a crook. I am a crook. I got tapes of me being a crook. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> uh, uh, let's start a war on drugs that lasts 50 years and imprisons black people. Uh, Nixon was awful. The horror film, Classic Friday the 13th, about the summer camp councils being hunted by mass killers, was released for the first time, the original, in 1980. This day in 2020, rock and roll legend Little Richard passed away at the age of 87, and in this day in 1502, the fourth and final voyage of Christopher Columbus is launched, and this day in 1502, uh... Uh, didn't have the names of his ships on this one. At least not in this little blurb. He said, "Is you're just gonna have to Google Spain. that yourself." Yeah, he's called. The, maybe he just he he just kept taking the same ships. So let's just let's just do that. And birthdays today: Billy Joel was born in 1949, American musician. In case you don't know, the piano man. 1936: Albert Finney, British actor, was born. 1934: Alan Bennett, British player, was born. 1874, Howard Carter, British archaeologist, was born. And 1860, Scottish Arthur J.M. Barry, didn't we just talk about somebody in Scotland being born? Was born. <laughs> I covered so much. And today, what day is it today? Not as numerous as yesterday, thank God, because there was 30 stinking things yesterday for May 8th. Not so many today. May 9th is National Butterscotch Brownie Day. Hey! Ugh. Love I'm, gonna go make, I'm gonna go to the store and make some. Yep. And National Homefront Heroes Day. That goes for everybody in every home front, for that matter. Yeah, National it's Alpha, settlers, huh? National Alphabet Magnet Day. So if you got one of them, those fridge magnets where you leave messages, just say, I love you or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Happy Magnet Day. Happy Alphabet Magnet Day. It's. Europe Day, May 9th. It is Europe Day. So if you're in Europe, happy day. Get drunk, unless you already are, which is likely. Because you're in Europe. (laughs) Because, well, (laughs) Europe likes to drink. Let's put that. National Loss. Remember yesterday was Go Without a Sock Day? Remember that? Sockless Day or whatever? It was one of those days. Today is National Lost Sock Memorial Day. I can get down with that. Uh, wear mismatched socks today, just just to commemorate it. National Moscato Day. Moscato is a form of wine. We have to drink, make butterscotch brownies. In Europe. And, and wear mismatched socks. National <laughs> Sleepover Day. And National Sleepover Day also coincides with losing a sock. So there you go. <laughs> Those are your days. I must have left today. my sock at Stacy's house. Oh shit! I need to get drunk and go to Europe. 
Moscato. Get some Moscato. All right, that's today. Oh, you 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 you, you wrap it up. I'll wrap it up. All right, and that's been Allison from Europe. I guess getting drunk, wearing mismatched socks, and going to a sleepover. And I hope to see you tomorrow some for some more news from Europe. Well, you got Eurovision. You can do that while you're losing a sock. Exactly. And this is Roger, losing socks in the United States on a regular basis without any alcohol helping me whatsoever. On May 9th, 2023 edition of Before Coffee. Be sure to hit the like, subscribe, and notify buttons, and follow our other channels, Toxic Alley, History of Gravy, and Scratchy Old Records.